Hello and welcome to the Driving You Crazy podcast where we talk transportation and driving and walking and riding and all things that get you from here to there. I am the traffic anchor for Denver 7 News. My name is Jason Luber. I am Denver 7's own pedestrian advocate, Joseph Peters. Sometimes we talk Disney movies as well. Right now, I think we should be talking about The Lion King. Really? The dawn of a new day at the beginning of that movie is so similar to the dawn of a new day here at Denver 7. For the morning show? Just in general. Just in general? I mean, look at the the way things have changed here over the last six months, man. This is a beautiful place to be. Yes, it is. And, uh, yeah, we've seen ratings growth. We are... The day before the start of the very important big deal May ratings period for the next four weeks. So this is the time where most of the TV stations will tell you what's in your house that's killing you. Yep. Uh, they'll save all their good investigative pieces for this time. Yep. Uh, all the good uh, television shows will be coming to their season finales uh, this for over the next month. Yep. We're, we're going right into the teeth of American Idol right now. Exactly. See, this is when the TV stations, really for two months out of the year in May, it really it starts from now until just before Memorial Day, mm-hmm. and then also in November, right before Thanksgiving, they set their advertising rates based on these rating numbers over the month for six months. So we'll see how we do. I'm hoping it's going to be good. We always seem to tank around ratings time. I'm not <laughs> saying it's because other networks buy viewers. I'm just saying it could be. It could be. No, you're exactly right. There is something up to that. Uh, you know, I also uh, guess we survived the full whole 420 deal in downtown Denver this past week. Felt a lot lamer this year than it has in past years. Really? Yes. Maybe because we've had the pot thing here for a while. Well, if you look at the photo from this year compared to last year and then compared to five years ago, it's radical how many fewer people are interested. But I guess I'm still naive because I thought... It wasn't that big of a deal how many people are, are smoking that stuff or eating it or whatever around. But, you know, there, there were still a fair – there was a lot of people downtown. Uh, There's a lot of talk about it. We also had a bit of a, a cold snap, so we had some cold weather, a little bit of snow downtown right. on 420. Um, but I still saw a video of a lot of people down at Civic Center Park uh, yeah, doing all the festivities. Yeah, I'm not trying to sell it short. There were plenty of people out there. It's just like, it, you know, it used to be like you could have easily estimated it to be 100,000 people down there a few yeah. years back. And that's just not the case anymore. The security lines at the airport on Sunday, though, I think did catch the TSA off guard because there were a lot of people. The security lines were 30 minutes deep on Sunday as I think a lot of folks flew in for the thing and then were flying out. And I don't know. It'd be interesting to call the TSA and ask them how many products they collected um, or were dropped off before heading through the TSA. I did not put two and two together that that was why the security lines were so long. But that would be interesting to uh, at least make a call to them maybe this week. I don't know. Um, I don't think they were prepared for that big rush. Anyway, huge news from Amazon yesterday, Joseph, and it has to deal with driving. Uh, You've heard of their delivery service called Amazon Key, where they'll 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 take your stuff, and they they have a way to get into your house, and they'll put your stuff inside your house, and it's really a way to keep your stuff from getting stolen from the porch pirates. Well, now Amazon will get seemingly more personal and deliver your package right to your car. Right to your trunk. They'll open up your trunk and put your stuff in your car. They call it Amazon Key in-car delivery. So I'm told the most prominent use of this is to get your groceries delivered to your car as you're about to leave work so that you don't have to go grocery shopping on the way home. 
I don't like this idea because I like the grocery store. I like the grocery store, too. And you know there is a separate service, we'll talk about it in just a second, where they will deliver your food from Amazon to your house within two hours if you're a Prime member. So that's a separate thing because this one, you have to still be a Prime member to get this service for free. You also have to own a 2015 or newer vehicle, and it has to be a Chevy, a Buick, a GMC, Cadillac, um, so basically the GM cars with the OnStar service as well, or the Volvos with their little Volvo connected, whatever their connected OnStar service is. Right. Um, my, my Chevy Volt is a 2014. I think my OnStar is still active, but I'm a 2014 and not a 2015, so I guess I'm not eligible for this service. That is too bad, Jason. Your wife's car is a... 2015 Volkswagen. So you're out of luck as well. Correct. Not not that we would have OnStar anyway, even if it was available. So it I came with think. the car for like three years, I think, and then you have to sign up for the service after that. So I, I've never, ever used it. Now, I could see maybe if I lived in a more rural area where if you, if you go off the road and, you, and maybe you need it in the case of an emergency, that's the only reason we have a home phone anymore, too, Right, is because the, my wife wants to be able to dial 911 from the house. I like it. Otherwise, yeah. we wouldn't have a home phone. But this in-car delivery is available at no extra cost for the Prime members. It's available now in 37 cities and surrounding areas with more cities rolling out over time. Delivery is available on tens of millions of items sold on Amazon and works with same-day, two-day, and standard shipping. So what you do is you have to download the special Amazon Key app, and then you select in-car delivery, and boom, it's coming your way right there to your car. And on delivery day... What you have to do is you have to park within a range of the delivery location. That is the interesting part of this. So I don't know what the delivery location is. Maybe within a city. So it's not, I don't think, within a four-block radius kind of thing. The app will also notify customers when the delivery is on its way and when the package has been delivered to your car. Customers can track when their car was unlocked and relocked in the app's activity feed and rate their in-car delivery. So what do you think? Hate it. Don't need that kind of service. Like, just put it at my house, in in my mind. Well, then the porch pirates are going to get it. I guess I'm living life on the edge, Jason. I don't yeah, I know. I, it's fine, I guess, if some people want it. I, 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 I don't know how many people are, like you say, are really going to want this service. People tinkering around in their car. I mean, I could see it becoming more prevalent, maybe. But at the same time, it does feel as though... Just ship it to my house. They should be just fine. It does feel, though, like Amazon has taken over the world, though. Well, apparently they were saying that Amazon's in-home delivery service is getting rave reviews. I don't know who was putting that out there. I assume the Washington Post, Amazon's newspaper, but who knows? <laughs> Good point. But, they, you know, if you, if you buy stuff at Whole Foods and it's $35 or more and you're a Prime member, you can have that food delivered to your house within two hours. That's amazing. Isn't it? Well, I w- I'd like to see um, a how they do on a, let's say, a Friday afternoon at about 4 o'clock during a little snowstorm here in Denver. I, I, going back to my point that I made earlier, the grocery store, and especially the Whole Foods grocery store, is too much fun not to just go to the grocery store. Like if I, Because think of all the time that you have to spend scrolling through the app saying, mm, apples, mm, I think I want six, maybe I only want four. You know what I mean? And on down the line, that could take a half hour. I could just go to the store. But this is how Amazon is actually going to eliminate traffic. Oh. This oh, is it. Well, then, I take it all back. Because what they're going to make sure is 
that you never actually have to go outside your house to go shopping anymore. The only reason really to go out is to maybe go on a walk, maybe go to the park, enjoy some time with your children at the park. Maybe, I guess you have to go out to go to school or go to work, but that's all you'll have to go out for. You're not going to have to make a special trip out to the grocery store. They're going to eliminate all traffic congestion because everything's going to be delivered right to you. Right? Good luck. (laughs) Amazon will take care of the rest. (laughs) Well, and then there's this headline, Joseph. A Greyhound bus actually drives 114 miles in the wrong direction. (laughs) Passengers aboard a Greyhound bus bound for New York City from Cleveland. (sighs) Well, you can see why they wanted to get a... (laughs) We're left fuming after mechanical problems and a surprise detour. The bus left Cleveland more than three hours behind schedule. And then as the bus was heading through Pennsylvania... It was forced to turn around because the vehicle was experiencing some mechanical issues. The bus was supposed to go back to Cleveland, but then drove 114 miles out of the way. And it wasn't until they got to Toledo before the driver realized the mistake. So they didn't make it to Cleveland or New York City. No, unfortunately, they went from Cleveland to a place much worse, Toledo. And it took them twice as long as it should have. Passengers were given a full refund I would hope so. Uh, I know you like to walk around town. True. I mean, that's what you do most often. Yes. Um, But when you drive, or when when Tanya drives, uh, and fills up at the gas station, what grade of gas do you usually put in the car? Uh, The lowest one there. The lowest one. Usually that's, I think, 85. Yep. I I have to put the highest in, in the Volt because it needs the higher octane. Because it's a generator, not a regular gasoline engine. Yeah, we've been over what a gas snob you are in the past. Yes, that's exactly right. And I also put the lowest one in the Rogue um, as well because it's the least. So I I really don't care what kind of gas it is. I mean, it it could be water, you know, half water, half gas, and I I really wouldn't care. Um, But the U.S. auto industry would like to do with all these different grades of gasoline and go with just now one universal grade of gas. One that is higher than what we have right now. They want to make... 95 octane, the new regular gasoline in the United States. I saw this proposal, and I think it's one of the craziest things I've ever heard. It's brilliant. It brilliant. is brilliant. My bad. Yes. Okay. No, sure. no, it's brilliant. <laughs> because they, <laughs> in testimony, what you saw with the testimony before the House Energy and Commerce Committee's Environmental Subcommittee, the Vice President of Global Propulsion Systems for General Motors... Now, that's quite the business card, huh? (laughs) Said making 95 octane, the new regular aligns the U.S. with Europe and is one of the most affordable ways to boost fuel economy and, they say, lower greenhouse gas emissions. It's a tax on poor people, right? I mean, like, or whoever drives the most. Now, now just hear it out. Oh, Just just hear it out. Now, all the U.S. automakers, they want to have the one... 95 octane fuel because it would eliminate the the 87 for regular or 85 i think it is around here uh it's 88 90 or so for mid-grade 91 to 94 or so for the premium now even though the premium gas costs about 50 cents more on average per gallon than the regular most of the automakers say that moving to 95 octane would actually cost consumers far less because they would get a three percent fuel economy improvement for a less than a 3% increase in the cost of the fuel. So th- that 3% fuel economy improvement, it doesn't sound like a whole lot. But engineers, when, when they're struggling for just a tenth of a percent gain as they design these cars and, and, they, and they test their vehicles, they, they, they say any increase 
to the fuel efficiency is actually a really good thing, and three percent is great. But the problem is that their math is wrong. Like that, you're not getting, you're not paying three percent more for fuel. If a if a gallon of eighty five gas is two fifty nine, and a gallon of ninety five gas is two eighty nine, and that's where we're at. That's way more than three percent. However. By moving to just one octane of gasoline, you'll have the lower, it will cost less to produce that gasoline because you're only making one gas instead of making different types of gas, storing different types of gas, and shipping different types of gas. If you have one type of gas, you have more storage facilities. You have more transportation to fill up those tanks, and the cost savings switching would come from gaining those uh, uh, efficiencies from really producing just one high-energy fuel. Gas station's still 95 for 289 now. Why would that price go down? Because Why, all of these market forces are great, like in in theory and on paper, but the business model says you don't lower the cost of something just because it costs you less to make it. If you can still charge the consumer that first price. Well, I think that the gas price will come down on average, maybe not as much as we might want, but I think there will be a blend of the two prices between the regular and the higher. So maybe it won't be a five or ten cent. It might be fifteen. Cent or twenty cents higher from the uh, low gas and lower from the high gas price right now, because of all those cost savings. It does cost a lot to transport the different blends of gasoline to all these different stations. Because if you have a station, let's say from here up to, um, I, I don't know, Telluride, there's no really easy way to get to Telluride. It's seven hours away from here, and they have gas stations in Telluride. If they're shipping different tankers with 85 and a 91 and now they just have to ship one tanker that's going to cost less money but didn't we didn't we talk about this last time there's only two tanks there's one with the the high grade gas and then there's a second one with the low grade fluid into it to cut it right like that's that's all there is to it so uh, i don't know i mean I, i find it hard to believe that all these gas stations retrofitting their stations so they only have one tank instead of two is actually going to save me the consumer money well, you know, we can only hope for the best, Debbie Downer. I'm just saying. And and even though it seems all we hear about how gas-powered cars are going away in favor of all the electric cars, I, I think they're going to be around for a, for a lot longer than, than people expect. Um, and, and there are significant improvements still being made on, on internal combustion engines. The higher octane enables the engineers to actually raise an engine's compression ratio. That's what is the deal in my Volt with the with the generator. Okay. But that, in turn, increases the horsepower and torque and will help the engine run more efficiently. So raising the engine's compression might be one of the lower cost-effective and untapped ways to improve fuel economy overall and lower carbon dioxide emissions from all cars. And that should be a good thing. Agreed. So... If you're getting more fuel economy, buying less fuel, maybe that would also help bring the price down. But they, but you know what? The overall price of, of gasoline is going to be determined by the price of oil. And you know how that fluctuates up and down depending on what's going on in Venezuela or Canada or with the fracking or with what's going on in the Middle East. I just think it's important for consumers to have choices when it comes to gasoline. And if I'm choosing to put in a product that's inferior, that's my choice. I also, I also think it would make filling up so much easier. You just grab the nozzle. There's no worried about s- selecting which kind of gas. Getting frustrated when you when you fill up, 
uh, there and you're, and you're going, all right, which which one am I doing? Which what you just you just grab the pump, put it in the car, and off you go. I, I fill up for the uh, let you know because I'm paying fifty cents what more for my high grade, right? And, and and you know what? And you're right. I'm then then I'm pumping some other guy's lower cost gas in my car, and then he's getting my higher price gas. We're you doing, know, we're doing this again. Yes, some <laughs> Yahoo's getting getting away with my high price gas in his car. I want that gas with the one octane. We all get the same gas. You sound like Bernie Sanders. I do. <laughs> when it comes when it comes to filling up my car, I guess I do, which is really disturbing. Uh, as a big guy. Me. Well, you're a pretty big guy. Us. I mean, let's be real here. Uh, we have long legs. You know, it's tough sometimes to sit on a plane, especially in those coach seats, right, for more than, what, three or four hours? Yes. So it, so it's no secret the airlines, if they could, they would make the space in their airplanes even smaller if it means they could get uh, some more seats on the plane and get more passengers in there. Well, an Italian seat manufacturer, Avio Interiors, has come up with a new seat design that lets passengers stretch their legs as much as they want Without any extra cost, but there's a catch. The seats are basically designed to allow you to do less sitting and more quote unquote restful standing. Restful standing. Don't knock it until you try it. Now, the row of seats were showed off at the Aircraft Interiors Expo in Hamburg. They call them the Skyrider 2.0 seats, and they're specifically designed to help airlines squeeze in more passengers by allowing an ultra high density section in the plane and thus reducing the space between the rows i mean I, this sounds awful right I yes mean, it does your base I, I, like standing room only I, it's standing room only on a plane yes so but what if your seat was let's say 25 dollars compared to 50 or 75 in a seat you're actually sitting in Do, can you imagine the clientele on a standing room only flight that costs twenty five dollars from anywhere to Las Vegas? <laughs> Are you kidding fan- me? That would be fantastic. No, absolutely not. Uh, it, it's it's a new and improved version of the design they released about eight years ago. I remember covering this back then. Improved. Yes, the original Skyrider seat was designed in the style of a horse saddle. It was obviously never approved by the FAA, uh, but these new seats they have extra padding as well as some poles to connect each row from the ceiling to the cabin floor so it makes it a little bit more safe, I guess. Now, according to the company, the Skyrider 2.0, quote, ensures an increased upright passenger position, allowing installation of the seat at a reduced pitch while maintaining an adequate comfort, unquote. Adequate comfort. That's exactly what I'm looking for, especially on an airplane. Would you like to fly in adequate comfort? Right before I get sucked out the window. With a, maybe a thirst-quenching beverage. Mm. Uh, While it remains to be seen whether these Avio interiors' uh, definition of adequate comfort matches the average person's definition of comfort, the company stresses that the seats designed are are for short-haul flights have many benefits, mainly that the airlines can increase their passenger numbers by 20%, and they weigh half as much as regular seats, allowing for increased profits for the airlines. Right. There is one benefit. And There's that is, your benefit. That is that the airlines make more money. Uh, I mean, will it take off? I don't know. It may, Maybe. I, I, I have a hard time seeing the FAA... Uh, approving this thing. Yeah, I guess my big problem is that if there's now standing room only seats, they'll get to charge more for actual seats 
Yes. And it's, it's just going to make everything. It's going to make everything worse. Airbus actually proposed the idea of standing room flights as early as 2003. Uh, and in 2010, Ryanair's CEO, they announced that they were going to be considering introducing special standing room only areas of the airplanes. Now, the main stumbling block for these seats come mainly from dealing with emergency evacuations. How do you get people out of a plane fast? <laughs> Right when there's like two times as many of them as there are in just a seated only plane. Right, because comfort during a flight, the FAA doesn't really care about that. They want to make sure that everybody can get out of the plane quickly. Well, and the fact that there's no room under the seats for personal items, and that it would be really uncomfortable to be semi standing during a flight delay, those might put off the FAA into any kind of approval for these seats. Um, airline, no airline I, I've seen has looked at even approving these or wanting to put these things in the airplane. No, it's hard to believe that this thing's going to come to the U.S. anytime soon. But there was a poll attached to one of the stories talking about these seats, asking if the people would buy a ticket in one of those seats. So uh, let's say five, six, seven, about 750 people were, were responded. About 100 said yes, they would. About 545 said no. And about 101 said they're not sure. They're probably also, I think, in the no category. At least half of them would be in the no category. I think that's pretty good. I, th- I think for the seat manufacturer, that's probably a pretty solid number. Can, yeah, they would. Can, let, that's why they're designing these things. Considering how adamantly I think those other 500 people are, that they would never buy a seat in one of these things. You know, depending on how long the flight was, let's say from here to either Phoenix or Las Vegas, where it's maybe an hour and a half on the airplane, mm-hmm. I might do it. Um, depending on what the price is, of course. If the price is ridiculously low, twenty bucks, twenty five dollars a seat, yeah, I might do it. But you can get a price like that on Frontier right now for. Some but of these let's flights. say the Frontier flight then, because I could sit in the back for these twenty five dollars seats, they charge the other ones fifty nine dollars. That's terrible. So then, what are you going to do? Now you're paying hundred and ten round trip, or I'm paying fifty round trip. I. I you know, that that's the thing. If I'm flying to a small regional, I could see this like in New York City to Washington or to Boston or these short, real short flights. Yes, you're definitely not going to go from Miami to Seattle. Anything maybe things. 90 minutes or less, something like that. Well, coming up, a woman found a nearly foolproof way to never get a parking ticket again, even though she was intentionally parking illegally. Ooh. That story and so much more as the Driving You Crazy podcast continues. More of the Driving You Crazy podcast coming up. The number one reason why you should watch Denver 7 Mornings is, well, for me. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. For everybody. I mean, this team is awesome, and I, we, we love each other. Jason's sitting here in the audio booth looking at me right now. I really, I love this guy. He's like a big brother, uh, and now we've got Molly on the team, and man, that girl kills me. I think she might be my sister from another mother. She's very fun, and Mitch is just, well... Mitch is Mitch. His hair is perfect. He's perfect. And he kind of looks like Clark Kent. That's a reason to watch. Lisa Hidalgo, only on Denver 7. 
The key to covering breaking news is getting there as it happens. Get the top stories first on Denver 7 every morning. We have new information right now. Police on the scene, downtown Denver. With dedicated people covering everything that's local to you. Take a look behind me. The storm is intensifying. A severe thunderstorm. First on the scene this morning, Denver 7 taking you there live. Big storms developing in Denver. You're tracking it across the metro area. Breaking news out of Denver. Everything you need to know to start your day. Welcome back to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast, where we say what we mean, and we mean what we say. Okay. In honor of our listeners from the UK, I will be eating fish and chips tonight. You will? Yeah. I love fish and chips, as long as they're not too soggy. No. Filled with the grease. Uh, where do you get those, man? If I if I go to a restaurant and something comes back with fish and chips that are all greasy and like soppy at the bottom, send them back. Give me something different. Send them back? I can't. Send them back. I'm not paying. I don't think I, I am not paying twelve dollars for soggy, greasy fish. You're a send it back kind of guy. In that case, yes. Not usually. I worked in restaurants, man. You send it back, it's getting spit on before. Well, it comes exactly. Back to you. That's what I'm concerned about. No, I'll just go somewhere else. Don't so, give me, don't give me any soggy fish. And because chips. if you send it back, and then they're going to give you something else, and then you're going to have, well, okay. ugliness on it. It will still be soggy. It might be Drano that they that they. Cooked it in. What kind of restaurant did you work in? Drano. <laughs> <laughs> I love Drano. No, actually, I don't. Uh, the Pines restaurant at um, in Statesboro. Mm. The Pines. That was the best pizza maker in all of Statesboro. A little bit of Drano. Well, Joseph, a resourceful woman in China. She found the perfect way to avoid a parking ticket. When leaving her car in a no parking zone, she would simply leave a fake parking ticket in her window so that policemen would think one of their colleagues had already fined her. Beautiful. Well, it was the perfect crime, almost. Because most policemen would only check if the date was correct and then move on. And if one of them actually paid enough attention to figure out that the parking ticket was a fake, the woman would simply say that she had no idea, that she was a victim of a prank. Genius. Unless someone actually saw her putting the ticket on the window. Oh, busted. Well... There's no way to tell how long she had been using this method to avoid parking tickets, but she was finally caught in the act in what could only be described as sheer bad luck as the woman parked her car right next to that of an undercover police car, which, to make matters worse, also had the dash cam turned on. The dash cam footage showed the woman exiting the car, casually slapping on the fake parking ticket before heading off to take care of her business. She was confident she wouldn't get a real ticket. Unfortunately for her, though, a police officer arrived to check the ticket almost immediately. And according to police, the fake ticket looked like a real one. It was dated correctly. But a careful examination revealed that all the other details were phony. And upon returning to the car, the woman denied any wrongdoing, of course, but didn't know about the video evidence. As Warner Wolf used to say, let's go to the videotape. The police lectured her about illegal documents and forging official documents between issuing her the real thing she dreaded most. A real parking ticket. Uh, good. I'm glad she got busted, and I'm glad she got busted on camera. I, I just wonder if the undercover investigation was a sting in order to catch her. Maybe, but you got to know that she's probably doing it over and over and over again right now. Amen. She just got caught once. 
But that's all, and then she's going to keep doing it because she obviously knows it, it works out pretty well. Think of all the money she's saved in parking tickets. Exactly. <laughs> in illegal parking. Well, we've talked about the service where you can borrow a car for a few hours or a day or whatever, like uh, the car-to-go service, other services like that. Well, in places that are, are mostly sunny, like Southern California, there's a company that thinks they can do the same thing, but instead of using cars, they're using scooters. Bird Rides... That's the name of the service. It's a six-month-old startup that runs dockless electric scooter sharing service in Los Angeles. The company thinks they, they can be the next big thing, and they've raised $100 million to spe- speed up its expansion, as some of the investors bet that it could be, become really a- as big as Uber. No, it cannot. I don't think it could be as big as Uber, but it'll be big, I think, especially in nice climate cities. Now... It launched in September. The Birds app-based rental system has become hugely popular um, where hundreds of scooters are available on the street for anyone just to pick up and drop off. The scooters resemble these little Razor scooters or a micro-kick scooter. They have two wheels, long-standing area. They have a little electric motor that can uh, get you going about 10, 15 miles an hour. Now, the scooters are tracked by GPS. You're charged by the minute for the rides. And the company says more than a half a million rides were taken in the past month. I've seen video of these things, and people are just zipping all over the place. But one problem is they just drop them wherever they are, and then you have to go pick up. So I think right. that's going to be a problem. you got a bunch of scooters all over the place. Yes. So Travis Van Zanden. <laughs> I love that. Van Zanden. It, he should be a rock star. Uh, he is Bird's founder and chief executive. He says this idea could work in about any market, I would think, except for Des Moines. Uh, not just the sunny cities uh, in Southern California. Why'd you have to go after Des Moines like that? All right, I guess he's never been to Fargo. Have you been to Fargo? Our apologies to our friends in the Midwest. (laughs) Or the Great Plains, or the the Northern States, or um, I love Montana. Uh, Hey, he says the fastest way to get from point A to point B is on these scooters because you don't have to worry about traffic. You just ride down the sidewalk. For, for the most part, you have to watch out for pedestrians. And with all the new funding, they're planning to launch in 50 new cities this year, mostly in the United States, maybe some in other uh, countries like in Europe. Uh, but they're interested in expanding all over the world, Middle Why East, not? Africa, Mexico. Let's just flood the world with electric scooters and then go belly up in two years and somebody else can clean up all these damn electric scooters that are everywhere. Exactly. There, there have been some problems with people not conforming to the law when riding these scooters, do you think? Mostly people not wearing helmets, mostly people running stop signs or maybe even running over people. Now, Santa Monica, they passed new rules that would fine shared mobility systems like this service. 60 bucks every time its uh, little scooters were found blocking a public right-of-way because people, they just drop these scooters. There's no official, like we have these bike-sharing deals where you put the bike back into the bike rack You physically park them somewhere. Right. There's really not that kind of a service with these scooters you just pretty much pick them up and drop them off wherever wherever you want they're also restricting the uh vending of these scooters to private property and so there will be some challenges with the new venture like this but it's another list of options that's going to help get people from here to there more efficiently that, that that's really what it's going to take if we want to you know improve traffic and improve transportation flow forever we need a bunch of options to get people from here to there. I mean, I support options like this. I just don't support this option, especially if helmet use is required, but I have to bring my own helmet to the scooter station and catch a scooter from there. It, it, it's ridiculous. And I can't it, see it catching on. Yeah, it does 
uh, it, it is easier, let's say, in our state where you really don't have to have a scooter unless you're under 18. California, I think, is the same way if you're under 18. There's a lot of states to the west. Arizona, I think you have to be also under 18 to have to wear. And this is mostly for motorcycles. I think scooters are pretty much the same thing. No, because mm-hmm. I wrote a law uh, or wrote a, a story about that for somebody who was asking me about um, uh, like under 50cc scooters. And uh, if the if her daughter could ride one of the scooters and they you still have to be licensed i think so you have to be 16 to 18 and there's there i'm sure there's little requirements here and there but nobody you just grab it and go and it, it really is a good way to get around some of these cities however it is a nuisance because people are now riding all these damn scooters and they're running people over exactly now i sound like an old guy now i sound again like bernie sanders get off my lawn what <laughs> Bernie Sanders does want to have scooters for everyone. He does? So you you and him are a little bit different this time. Oh, all right. Well, have you ever gone through security or through customs at an airport? Do you grab your stuff? What you think is all your stuff? But seemingly something is missing? You would be surprised, almost stunned by some of the stuff that's left in airports around the country, Joseph. Stunned. I think it'd, it'd be more flabbergasted by what's left behind at airports in Australia. Okay. They've had as much as a thousand items a month in Australia get turned in to the lost and found at the Brisbane airport. Oh. But only about one in three of those items actually gets reunited with the owner. So there's a team of volunteers who look after this lost property and attempt to get them home. Now, the most unusual item so far these volunteers have found, a prosthetic limb. Sometimes it just walks away from you. They didn't say if it was for a leg or an arm or other appendage. I would think arm, because if you didn't have your leg attached, you'd probably fall over without it. You would think. You would think so. Maybe it was just an extra one. They had one of the li- Maybe it was like an extra one just like a, as a backup prosthetic limb. Ah, yeah. Maybe. Anyway, the volunteers offered their top tips for travelers who rather avoid the stress of losing something and on the top of the list is luggage labels. They say it's amazing how many people don't have identification on anything they own, especially their suitcases. They also say one reason to get to the airport early is so that you're not so stressed trying to get through security, so then you're trying to rush to your plane. That's when you leave things in the tray. When you're running late, you, you might worry about missing your flight, so you might leave something behind. And in the event you do find yourself missing something after your trip, it's always worth at least trying to track it down, call the airport, ask him if the item was turned in, if it's still with security, if it's at the lost and found. But they also say here are uh, nine essential things you need to check that you have before you leave the security area and head to the plane. Are you ready for this? We need sound for this one. Number one, your glasses. You wearing glasses. Do you ever take them off in security? I mean, I, I can't go anywhere without my glasses. I'd be blind as a bat. Prescription glasses and sunglasses are among the most common items handed in. Often left at the security screening area, volunteers say they're very hard to return since most of them don't have any tags or other identification on the glasses. They might have sometimes a distinguishing feature, but not all the time. Correct. So like your glasses, if they fell off your face now... And you didn't come looking for them because you couldn't see them. Would we be able to return them back to you? Yeah, they're blue. I mean, that's <laughs> I have it easy. Everybody else, maybe not so much. Now, if no one claims them in Australia, the recycled is part of a partnership with uh, Thai Airways to assist those in need overseas. Good work, Australia. 
Now, your belt, number two. Volunteers are stunned by this one, saying people's pants must fall off all the time when they get to the other side of the airport because they forgot their belt. Yeah. Your phone. Phones are the other item that really gets handed in a lot after belts and glasses. With your live stored on your phone, if you haven't backed it all up, uh, and a lot of people haven't backed up their phones, all your photos are gone, contacts, everything that you have, your information right there on your phone, bam, gone. And you can't call the airport to find out about it because you lost your phone. That's a tough one to deal with right yes, there. Sir. Losing the Because there's so much now on your phone. Yep. They say the laptops and tablets also frequently get lost and turned up into the lost property area. And surprisingly, few owners actually follow up on those missing items. Mm. One time, they say, they had two brand new iPad Airs still in the boxes with the wrapping on them that went unclaimed. Aren't those like $2,000? That means some people just have a lot of money. Or they were stolen. Your wedding ring. Mm. There's apparently a lot of lost jewelry at airports. Any of the unclaimed valuables are auctioned off in bulk with the proceeds... More than $21,000 at the Brisbane airport last year alone going to charity. The moral of the story, scale back on the bling when traveling. And if you're jet lagged, don't take off your rings when you're at the uh, in the bathroom washing your hands. Mm. Just, I, just leave them on. I don't know about you. I never scale back on the bling. <laughs> it looks like it. <laughs> My wife forgets where she puts her wedding rings all the time. All the time. Ugh. She's always freaked out that she's lost her rings in the house somewhere. I'm still recently married enough that like I know when my wedding ring has gone missing, and I find it like within three seconds. Oh, no. I never. The only time I take it off is when I'm making hamburgers because it'll get caught under there. Yep. But but it is so look, – look at that. Look at that divot there in my hand, in my – Oh, wow. In my finger. I mean, that wow. you can tell – so <laughs> my, there there were times where uh, my older brother, sometimes he would take his wedding ring off if he was at a bar, you know, trying to play the field, if you know what I mean. Okay. Anyway, so, and then he would put it on his pinky. Like that, that yeah, okay, like you're wearing a pinky ring, even though you could see, clearly see, like on my hand, uh, that's where a wedding ring should be. Oh, nobody's paying that close attention. Oh, man. That is a heck of a divot, though, man. Isn't it? Instagram that. Uh, your, <laughs> your duty-free booze. Last-minute gifts are often the first things to get forgotten, and every few months, dozens of unclaimed bottles of alcohol wind up getting auctioned off to support charity. Those duty-free bags are frequently left on the top rack of luggage carts, too, like at the taxi stand, mm -hmm. and most of that stuff is, is high-end booze, because you're not buying Schlitz Malt Liquor Bowl or MD-2020 or, or PBRs when you're at the uh, duty-free exchange. True. I mean, they're not buying true. the cheap. They're, they're buying the, the, the good stuff. Creme de la creme. Your passport. The volunteers at the Brisbane airport say they get about 60 passports a month, and they don't reunite with their traveler very often. Part of the problem, they think, is that once people have returned from their trip, they won't notice their passport is missing until the next time they go to book a trip uh, to go overseas. To reduce the risk of getting separated from your passport, they suggest attaching a sticky note with your phone number on it in the passport and also tucking it away safely as soon as you pass through customs or security. I mean, the second part is the most important. Like, once if you know you're going to put it down somewhere, pick it back up. But putting your phone number on there is not a bad idea. It's yeah. not like they don't know who you are. It's your passport. It's your main identification. Right. Uh, your favorite toy. Volunteers say one of the most rewarding parts of the job is when they get to reunite a special toy with a distraught child. I know that because of my... 
My girls. Anybody with children will vouch that that's a very big moment. They remember these volunteers one time when they got a teddy bear with its stuffing hanging out with multicolored stitching holding it together. It belonged to a nine-year-old girl who had left it behind on an overseas trip. When her father came back to pick up the bear, he says she was so upset, the little girl, she hadn't been sleeping, so he was super glad to get it back. Aww. See, I, my, my little girls, with their, with their they call them their BBs, their mm-hmm. blankets, their little blankets. Oh, man, they would lose their mind without their blankets. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, body parts. If you can't figure out why you're leaving, leaning to one side or having trouble chewing your airline food, it's probably time to check with lost property for dentures or a prosthetic limb. I hadn't even thought about dentures. That oh, would yeah. be a crazy one. Wouldn't that be horrible? That would be awful. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> they have found a prosthetic leg, crutches, hearing aids, and dentures, much to the puzzlement of volunteers. Dentures. And I think this is the most crazy thing that, that's been left behind. Okay. Cremated remains. Hey, who's got Uncle Russell? Anyone? Who's got Uncle Russell? You? No? I thought you had him. No? Wasn't me. You don't have him? You don't have it? Honestly, thankfully, reuniting the remains with loved ones isn't actually too difficult because the urn had a funeral home name listed on it. Perfect. And they were able to contact the family. And let them know that Uncle Russell or whoever <laughs> was still there at the airport. Sorry we killed you, Russell. I took an urn through the security one time. I'll tell you right now, I did not leave it in security. I kept it with me like I was Herschel Walker running through a uh, defensive line. I usually worry that someone will be taking something of mine accidentally at the airport security rather than me leaving something there. Right. Well, and I think... If they're going to take something accidentally, it's not going to be the urn. No. It's going to be the suitcase, the laptop case. It's going to be the laptop, my shoes, belt, whatever the case may be. I've seen people leave things behind, and then usually one of the security people, they'll see it there or some of the passengers, hey, 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 and then try to chase them down and and get it back to them right then. But I I rarely have seen anybody going over there to steal stuff. But then you you hear the, the, the stories about the TSA people stealing things and... Well, that's horrible, too. Well, nobody can be trusted fully, right? Nobody can be trusted fully. Right there. That is the problem with our society, Joseph. No one can be trusted fully. Not the problem with society. (laughs) What's the problem with society? I mean, I'm not saying anything about what the problems of society are. I'm just saying that's not one of them. Don't (laughs) don't trust people, man. It's great advice. Well, that's about it for this edition of the Driving You Crazy podcast. We'll be back again next week with another lovely edition for your entertainment and your listening pleasure. As always, you can get a hold of us on the Twitter, on the Facebook, on the Instagram, on the uh, interwebs, however you want to do it. At Denver 7 Traffic is one of the easiest ways to get a hold of me. I am at Joseph Denver 7. Again, thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Jason Luber, the traffic guy. I am standing airplane seat critic Joseph Peters. Be safe. And as always, happy motoring. <laughs>